For more great content, make sure you follow 717 Sports Media on all your podcast listening platforms. Also follow us on social media on Twitter at 717 underscore sports, Facebook and Instagram at 717 Sports Media. We're also checking on our website daily for your daily news and sports videos at 717sportsmedia.com. Welcome back to another edition of the College Football Index. Got my guy Clark. He's in Vegas, Las Vegas. Lady Luck, how you been, man? You enjoying out there? Yeah, Viva Las Vegas. Uh, been out here for a couple of days. Uh, work starts tomorrow, so uh, no more fun and play. And uh, getting back to getting back to the basics, just out here in uh, in Nevada. So let me ask you: How many times you been there? You think? I think this is probably my eighth time, eighth or ninth time, maybe. Hey, I'm pathetic. I've never gone once. Yeah. Started, I think my first trip was in 2011. A um, couple times, multiple. Yeah, I'd say probably eight or nine, somewhere around there. Yeah, eight Tell or nine. I've never been there. The amount of people that are, whoo, it's crazy. It's crazy, Coach. Oh, it's Everywhere, everywhere. More than normal? I mean, I don't know if it's normal. I mean, from what I remember, I, there is a ton of people out here. Everywhere you look, people keep coming and coming. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah like I've never been out to Vegas. Definitely on my list. So hope I can make it out there. So, all right. So we're back at it again after another weekend of uh, college football. Guys, on this episode of the College Football Index, uh, we're going to discuss the games from Saturday. We got our guest. I'm really excited. Jonah Booker from Bucknuts. He's known as uh, J Book on uh, on Twitter. I had to ask him for his name because I just follow him. I've been following him for years on um, uh, Twitter. He's a really good follow for Ohio State. And he, he does talk about some national stuff as well and much more on the podcast. So let's jump into the games. Um, so the game I, you know, the game I was really into, uh, I was, I didn't think I'd watch it, but I ended up watching. You watch that Georgia, Georgia 26, Missouri 22. Missouri really played them tough, and they probably should have won. If they could have punched it inside the red zone a couple times, if they could have punched it in a couple times with touchdowns, I think they win. They just they settled for way too many field goals. Well, you look back at the you look back at the last game that Missouri played, and they kind of they kind of gave that one away as well. Um, yeah. so it's kind of two straight weeks where you know, maybe Missouri's a little better than we thought, and maybe Georgia's not as good as we thought. You know, I mean, they kind of struggled with Kent State. Now, I, I did read that Kent State coach. Um, I um, believe he's a, he's in the is he a Nebraska grad? Yes, he's, he's very well respected. He's got yes. he's a brilliant young mind in college football. Yeah, I think he's only thirty six, but you know, you're gonna start hearing his name probably being popped up. You know, I don't I know we're talking about Georgia, Missouri, but you know, I think them playing Kent State last, last week and Kent State playing them tough. We'll see. You know, Georgia's kind of – maybe they're just in that kind of lull during the season, but they got away with one. They got away with one. They really did. I mean, it, yeah. that game, you know, came down the last couple of minutes and it could have won either way. And uh, once again, Missouri gave a, gave a game away. Now, it, it's one of those things like do they – now, now they've looked so dominant prior to these two weeks, so we'll see. But, like, you know, 
Like I remember Ohio State after they won it all in 2015. They looked like shit the whole year. Remember that year? Like the whole year they just looked off. Now that has not been Georgia. They played really well. But if this continues the next couple of weeks, I just, I'm going to really question them. It's hard to go back to back. It's hard to get that 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 fire in your belly to go at it again. And so, you know, it will be interesting to see if, if they continue. If they get one loss and they still went out, they could still win the SEC. So their season's not over one loss. But it's alarming to me. It would be a little alarming if I was a Georgia fan. Missouri pushed them around. They couldn't run the ball on, on Missouri like, they, like they've been able to on other teams. I thought Missouri's D-line was very, very good in that game. They controlled the line of scrimmage a lot. So, you know, I, I, I it's going to be interesting to see how Georgia, you know, comes back. You know, I guess as they come out and probably play well, pretty well coming up. But, I mean, they, they definitely look more beatable than they were a couple of weeks ago. Has Stenson Bennett kind of came back to earth a little bit, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I think so, you know, but I, I don't think it's all on him. I, I just think it's. You know, um, but yeah, he's not like the most dynamic. He's going to play within the system, right? Don't you agree? Like he's not going to be. Yeah. Oh, he's I a system quarterback. Yeah, but, he's not oh. going to go out there. He threw for 312 yards, um, but he's not like, you know, I don't know if he could single-handedly go beat, beat you. But, you know, and the other thing is, you know, you know, Missouri was able to throw the ball a little bit on him. Not only 192 yards, but, you know, they were able to make some plays. I and mean, they were right there in the game, you know, and it's just like. That's college football. That happens. You never know, you know, what can happen. So good for Missouri. You know, it would have been nice if they knocked them off because that would have been, like, you know, a huge upset. But they I think, get... yeah, and I think one thing, I think teams probably got to take a little notice that Missouri's probably not going to be the pushover they have been, you know, the past couple of years in the SEC, especially at home. They've always been a pretty damn good home team. Um, but, you know, they've played well. They should have won last week. They blew it you know, fumbled in the end zone, you know, in overtime yeah, yeah. chance. To, I mean that, I mean, literally the guy, if he steps out at the one, they win, you know, if he holds onto the ball past the goal line, you know, they win. I mean, they, they lost that way six different times. So maybe they're a little better than we thought, you know, maybe Georgia, you know, we talked about this earlier in the podcast. I thought they lost way too much on their defense. Um, and if you look at their last two weeks, their defense has not played as good as it did earlier no. in the season. No, you're right. And, 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 you're absolutely right. They have not at all, um, you know, and, and, you know, they look a little more beatable for sure. And so, you know, if you're, you're feeling better, if you're some of the SEC teams, maybe not like Auburn is playing this week, but, you know, defensively, look at this, uh, you know, look at the stats. They're 43rd in the nation in passing yards allowed. I mean, a year ago, you know, at 21st in total yards. I know that's not always the best indicator, but still they're, 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 and they're slipped down a little bit. So that gives you like, like they've slipped down a little bit when it comes to defense. So they're not as great. I mean, that, that defense might've been the best defense we've seen in 10 years last year in college football. Don't you think their yeah. defense was freaking thick. Oh, it, was, it was loaded. Yeah. I mean, the front seven alone was just nasty. You couldn't run the ball on them. And they, they brought pressure from all over different angles. And it was like sick. Their backers were sick. Their D line was sick. So it, it is fair to say, you know, that they're going to take a step back. So, well, yeah. And Walker, they're, they're the number one pick in the NFL draft. Basically, it was an afterthought of that team, and he's having a great year for the Jags. He is. He is. He's, he definitely is. So, he, yeah, it was loaded. All right. So, Clemson 30, NC State 20. I came away really impressed with Clemson. You know, you know, my theory on college football is you got to find ways to win. And, you know, two weeks ago, they won a shootout. This week, they came out and they, they, 
they played really well. Their defense played really well. I don't want to hear about NC State anymore. I've been hearing about them being good for years, and they always seem to be in this position. They always lose. They're not a bad program. I'm not ripping on, but they're just they can never get over that hump, you know. And I thought I I watched a lot of this game. I was flipping around a lot, and but I watched a lot of this game, and I came away very impressed with DJ. I thought he played really well. It wasn't flashy, but kind of like a Stetson Bennett game: twenty-one to thirty, two hundred nine yards, one touchdown. Avoided the big mistake. He had 73 yards rushing, two rushing touchdowns. You know, I, I'm very impressed with Clemson. I think right now, I think they're probably going to make the playoff. Like, I don't see anybody beating the ACC. And, you know, maybe Notre Dame down the road, Notre Dame gets better. Maybe Florida State. But I don't know. I think that they're probably going to run the table and make the make the playoff. Yeah, Coach, we, we both like Clemson in this one. You know, I, I thought Clemson, you know, found something in that Wake Forest game offensively. You know, yeah, it's almost like Dabo kind of took the shackles off of uh, of DJ and said, all right, you know, it's time for you to start making some plays down the field, you know, and, and they really kind of, instead of, instead of kind of going east to west, they started going, north, you know, north, you know, they started attacking, uh, you know, attacking the entire field. And, and I think that kind of translated to the NC State game. And, you know, Clemson's always had a great defense. You know, that's kind of the thing that they've come, kind of hung their hat on. Great defense, great quarterback play, and that's going get, to get us through. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we are kind of both all over this. It, it, NC State, are they a top-tier ACC team? Probably. Yeah, but, they're not bad. They're like nine wins. Yeah, they're nine. If they get the 10 wins, I think they're throwing, you know, a party. You know, a bowl party for you know New Year's New Year's Six bowl game, but uh, yeah, it's just you know, it is what we thought. Clemson's got Notre Dame on the road. I think here here in November, we'll see what they do there. But it should be it should should be smooth sailing until then. Okay, yeah, I agree. I think they should. Well, we he was coming on, but then I lost him a second. So um, we'll see if he comes back on. Um, yeah, our guest's going to join us in a second. Uh, all right. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that they're, you know, I think we kind of forgot about them. Maybe some of the people in the national media and we questioned them because they had, I mean, they, well, they went 10 games on a down year, you know, 10 and three at most part, a lot of programs is a good year. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, you know, a, uh, impressive win for Clemson. So, all right. Oklahoma, uh, the Chad Clark, Patrick Weider bowl. <laughs> one by Oklahoma State. You've been all over him. I, I should not, you know, I, I'm, I'm wrong. I should never question Gundy. Gundy is a heck of a coach, guys. You know, like, he's a good coach, man. We we forget about him. It's my fault. And Oklahoma State, 36, Baylor, 25. I coach Gundy, great job. Great effort. Beat my Baylor Bears. I still like Baylor. I think Moran is a good coach, but I think they lost a lot last year. And I think Oklahoma State is probably the favorite now in the big well, listen, Oklahoma State, you know, Gundy's been there, what, 17, 18? I mean, he's the longest-tenured coach in the Big 12, and I don't even really think it's close. Um, you know, he's got that team rocking and rolling. You know, I liked him coming in the season. Um, I liked him to win, you know, the Big 12. And they are the best team in Oklahoma right now. I mean, our, our Oklahoma Sooners, I know we're not going to discuss them today because we don't have the – we don't have the game up here, but, you know, they got their asses handed to them last week. So Oklahoma State, now the best team in Oklahoma. Um, I wish I didn't change my my under eight, eight and a half wins or over eight. I think it was nine wins for 
broke home. I took that under, and then I changed it back to over after they won a few first couple games. But, uh, yeah, Oklahoma State's looking good. Um, you know, Baylor, I think they're mid-tier, Big 12 this year. I think they're going to probably – they're a top 25 team. Um, but, you know, that kind of ended their chances there for a, a big, t- big 12 title. Oh, I don't know if they'd end it, but I, I definitely think Oklahoma State's probably in the driver's seat. You know, I think what's well, really them in the, you know, Kansas and then uh, TCU. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's some exciting, you know, I think that I really think uh, I got to give my shot, shout out to my buddy, Matt Goddard. I think you can make the case the Big 12 is the deepest conference. I don't know if they have anybody that's going to make the playoff, but I think they're pretty deep. I mean, there's there's some really solid to good teams. Uh, you know, the SEC and Big Ten are top heavy. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of mediocre teams in the Big Ten. The Big Ten, I mean, I think Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan are all pretty good. But look at, like, Minnesota got the big win, and then they lose to Purdue. You know, I, 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 the, the, the Big Ten's not very good. And, and, and I, but I think Ohio State and Michigan are really good. And I think Penn State could be, you know. But, they're you know, young. It, very it, young. Penn State's they're very young. young. And Maryland, I, Maryland's shown some promise. But but I I think the Big Twelve you could easily make the case is one of the deepest conferences. I don't know how you feel about it. But I really I, there's a lot of good teams in that that conference. Yeah, there's a lot of good teams. You know, I think you know that's the one thing I do like about bowl season is because you kind of see how the how the each conference kind of shapes up. And I know that they're not playing as for as much. You know, some 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 schools take them serious, some don't. But uh, you kind of get a good feel for you know what the conferences are. I mean, are they deep compared to like, yeah, they're all kind of, they're not too far apart, you know, as, as far as talent wise, I, I would probably agree with you, but you know how they shape up to the rest of the country. I think. Well, that's probably- I, I'm just saying, this is what I'm saying is if you, between like 10 and 40 teams, they probably have the most, you know, in the rankings, if you did a ranking 10 to 40 teams, I think it's a good conference. I just don't, there's just now, I think everybody's going to have two conference losses, probably one or two. Like it's yeah. a, not going to be like, you know what I mean? Like I said, I don't think they're top heavy. So correct. Yeah, they they got a gr- lot of good teams, ten to forty, but they don't. They only have one team probably in the top ten, which is Oklahoma State. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I think they could still lose a Big Twelve game. You know, yeah, and, and like yeah, I mean they're not a bad team. Gundy does a nice job. I mean he really does. I mean if you look at his OCs and DCs, he's constantly losing OCs. He's constantly losing DCs, and they just they're constantly good. They're a good program. I mean, yeah. I mean like people don't. Like we all sleep on him. I think we it happens every year, and I, and I get it. Coach, I didn't sleep on him. Not you. you. Sleep on him. Well, I didn't hate on him. I just like Baylor a little better. Um, and like oh, they, what I'm saying is, college football kind of sleeps on him because Oklahoma is always better than them usually. His record against Oklahoma is abysmal, but he's just a nice, solid program. I mean, you look at his last five years: twelve and two, eight and three, eight and five, seven and six, ten and three, ten and three, ten and three, seven and six, ten and three, eight and five. Consistent. They're never bad. So that's good coaching. And he's been rumored to leave that place 18 times and he never has. So anyways, um, all right, next old man, 22, Kentucky, 19. That was kind of a, you know, a shocker. I thought maybe, you know, Kentucky had a chance to tie it and maybe win it. And they, they kind of fumbled it away at the end, you know, good wits, a uh, good wits, good win for old miss. And my man, uh, Tosh 2.0 or Lane Kiffin, you know, he had a nice win there. Um, Good for them to get that win and you know in a classic SEC game. No, that was it was a great game. And I, I think these are two solid programs. Um, you know, Kentucky, what they've been able to do the last last two or three years, they've kind of 
built themselves up to a probably one of the top five or six programs in the SEC. And if you would have said that 10 years ago, people would have laughed at you. They were a laughing stock of, of, of the SEC, SEC in college football, you know, kind of like a Kansas, like basketball school, you know, kind of, you know, might have a good year here or there, but uh, they've kind of came over out of nowhere and, and, you know, they have a good coach. You know, we know that, you know, the, the Stoops family, you know, they, they know what they're doing when it comes to football and uh, you know, they lost this game, but, you know, they played well with a chance to win inside two minutes. Um, you know, so we'll see where the, the rest of the season takes them. You know, Ole Miss, you know, they got a chance to do something special, right? I mean, they're they're a top 10 team, and and we'll see. You know, Lane Kiffin, he's always kind of – he's had the the good offenses, but he's really never had that defensive team. And uh, we'll see if, if he's able, able to make some noise here in uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. He trans—he got that's transfer portal. You, <laughs> they got a lot of kids in the transfer Co- portal. Coach, we have not talked much about Ole Miss this year, and, and I don't think we've mentioned it once. So no, yeah, I, I I like Lane Kiffin. I've always liked him. Um, I think he's matured a lot. I do. I think he was—he got the Tennessee job way too young. USC, he wasn't ready for it. He got the Raiders job way too young. I mean, he, he was got all of them. He was too young. He got fired. Humble pie. Went to work with Saban a couple of years. And I think that that like he learned, and I think he's then he he when he left Saban, he was even humbled even more. He went to what FIU, FIU, and he took a pay cut. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I I think you know you look at their their schedule at Vanderbilt, probably gonna win that versus Auburn, very winnable game at Illinois at LSU, which you know could be a toss up, but they could win at Texas A&M. Your boy, <laughs> they look bad. Oh, versus I, Alabama. At Arkansas versus to be state, and, 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 and yeah, they look bad. So um, it, look, it does not look pretty right now in uh, in Texas A&M land. And their big booster tweeted out that he's very unhappy. So they're unhappy. You know, nothing they could do about it, but they're very unhappy. So I think it's me a call of time. Texas A&M in the off season, he'll fire OC, get a new OC, and that will be his. He uh, is favorite. the OC. That's the issue. He's he's going to fire himself. I'm saying he's gonna fire himself. I guess we'll see. Anyways, um, yeah, Texas A&M, you know, you know, Ole Miss. We'll see uh, about them. All right, Alabama. I did highlight this. Now uh, we could have mentioned Texas A&M. Texas A&M lost to Mississippi State. That was a shellacking. You know, uh, great effort by Mike Leach and his boys. They just took it to him. They everything we you said, you were right. I mean, they they looked lost. They looked even more lost this week, and it, they got it taken to them. It took me, you know, I'll be honest. I did not watch that Miami game. You know, um, I did not watch that Miami game, what, three weeks ago when they beat Miami like 19 to 14. Or I did. It wasn't pretty. Yeah. And then so that Arkansas game, I watched the whole game and I thought Texas A&M is they're terrible. I mean, that it took a 99 yard fumble recovery to basically win that game. 14 point swing. They don't win if that play doesn't happen. And there's no – their offense is horrible. They have no rhythm. They don't have – they have a decent running game, but, I mean, you got to be able to pass the ball in college football. Yeah, but listen um, to this. Listen to these stats. In offense, they're 178th in the country in total yards, 205th in they're, – they're 172nd in passing yards, 178th in rushing yards, 109th in points. I mean, that's pathetic. I mean, like, with all the stars you got, 
Then on defense, they're not even that great on defense. They're 102nd in yards uh, allowed per game. They're 175th in rushing yards per game. They're allowing 170 yards a game, and they're loaded. It's yeah. a horrific coaching job. It's they're like I, I'm a recruiting guy. It, it, it doesn't matter if you recruit if you can't coach them up. That no, is, they're bad coach. I'm telling you, Jimbo. They're horrible. If his buyout was ten million, I think he. I. I, I really do believe he'd. Be, he'd be gone. There's a good chance if his buyout was ten million, but it's eighty million. There's no way nobody in this world could pay eighty million. That's insanity. No, they would have to. They would probably have to work something out where he. They would try to help him find another job, so they would offset some of that cost. You know, because a lot of those coaches they have offsets in their contract where if they go somewhere else and work, um, where's that, he gonna go? Money, well, not nobody's going to give him ten million dollars a year. I can tell you that right now. I mean, maybe Arizona State would give him four or five. It, maybe it, Nebraska would Nebraska take him? I don't know. It looks bad. It looks horrific. And now he's got to go to Alabama <laughs> after all yeah. that stuff that they said about each other. Hey, maybe he goes to Alabama, and wins the game, but I don't see it. I mean, yeah. there's probably anyone. Did you see Alabama 49, Arkansas 26? Did you see the, the Alabama backup quarterback? Now, I know Bryce Young got hurt. That Alabama kid can run. He took 180 to the house. He's a freak. Holy crap. How many, how many teams would he start on? I was. That's what I was, I was asking. A couple <laughs> that's people. a lot. I, I mean, I mean, 75, 80, 80 Division One football I mean, schools. Jalen Moreau, he, he had uh, – uh, he was only four four or nine passing, uh, but he ran six times for ninety one yards. He's just a freak with the running the ball. And like obviously they're gonna miss Bryce Young if he's out long term, but that kid was pretty impressive coming in. But you know that game was close, and then all of a sudden Alabama just went next level. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing Nick Saban after after Bryce went down kind of challenged the team and said can't rely on you know our Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. It's time to it's time to time to step up everybody around them and, and they did and you know we we were you know I liked Alabama in this one I'm not gonna lie and it did come kind of come down it went back and forth there to, for that cover at the end of the game um, they, you know they kind of pulled in, in inside 17 and a half and then you know then Alabama came right back down and scored so all right here we go we got our guest I'm real excited about this been I've been a long time Twitter follower. Uh, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How's it going? We got Jonah Booker, uh, Jay Book, as he's famously called on Twitter. You're a great follow on Twitter. I'm a diehard Ohio State. I'm an alumni and a fan. And uh, but no, you I, you do talk a lot about national college football too. So you said about you. I mean, you're Ohio State writer, but you consider yourself a big national writer as well. Yeah, I I definitely follow uh, the national scene when it comes to college football. So I'm. I'm all over it, man. I love college football. I think it's nothing, nothing like it. Yeah, I mean, it, we are both big fans. Um, I used to coach football. My buddy here used to coach football, too. He lives in Florida. He's out in Vegas right now. I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, but I grew up in Ohio and um, went to Ohio State. So, yeah, so we're excited that you came on the show. So let me just start here. So after five weeks, we'll start with a couple of Buckeye questions here. here. After five yeah. weeks, how good do you think this Buckeye team is? You know, I, I think, I've been very impressed with their defense. I mean, what do you think? You take it. I think it's a national championship caliber team here. I mean, if you look at it, the defense is vastly improved. Uh, that was probably the Achilles heel over the last two years. If the season ended today, Ryan Day would get his wish. It would be a top 10 defense. 
Right now, the, the defense leads the Big Ten in tackles for losses, something that they really struggled in last season. I think the secondary has the opportunity to play better. I think the cornerback position is one of the probably the weakest links there. Depth is a major concern there, especially with Cam Brown hurt. I think yeah. Denzel Burke has has had a, a roller coaster season. There's a lot left to be desired when it comes to his play. But the good news is you're getting some of those younger guys in Jair Brown and J.K. Johnson, two freshman guys that are thrown into the fire. I think they're playing at an extremely high level. The sacks may not be there like you want right now, but you have to look at what they're doing. They're keeping the linebackers clean, which is allowing a guy like Tommy Eichenberg, who, who is right now playing at an All-American caliber at the linebacker position. And Patrick has been an alumni. You've watched a lot of Ohio State football. The linebacker position has been one of our Achilles heels over the last several years. So just seeing Tommy and Steel Chambers playing at a very high level at that linebacker position heading into the Big Ten grind is definitely music to my ears. Yeah, I mean, I thought Steel Chambers probably played his best game of the year against Rutgers. You could just see he just needs more reps, and, and he played yeah. really well. Uh, I agree. Both linebackers are playing well. You know, he ran the four-two-five system. You know, it's a safety-driven defense, as you know, everybody knows on the Ohio State beat. You probably know. And, and like, you need those two backers to be studs, and they're both playing at such a high level. It's been fun to fun to watch. Um, one more, Clark, and I'll let you go. Offensive line, you know, I thought last year they were good, but, you know, they're definitely missing something in short yardage. How good has this offensive line been? You know, Justin Fry's come in, seems that, you know, new energy. Uh, uh, stud was a good coach, but he was getting a little older, had some back problems. So I think the offensive line play has been, it's been tremendous, and then those two running backs, I played really well as well. Hey, Jonah, let me let, Jonah, let me jump in real quick. Coach is the biggest Ohio State fan I know, and he is his smile right now with having you on today is 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 ear to ear. You can see that smile. I mean, I've had to listen for five weeks of how great Ohio State is, but here's the thing: he he hasn't put him number one in their top. In their, he ranks he does a top ten ranking. Now, one times he had him number one. Last oh, week I had number one. Okay, I'll let you answer the question. I had to jump in there because I know he's holding back his smile and his just how excited he is. Coach, after this week, man, you got to get him in, get him into that uh, number one spot, especially after Georgia struggled against Missouri and the question mark is out on Alabama at the quarterback position. But to answer your question about the offensive line, I think they're having an outstanding year. I think they're playing at a very high level. The power run game is clicking right now. And I think that that was the biggest thing uh, transitioning, as you mentioned, stud from last year to this year is the power run game. Last year, what you saw out of the run game is you saw a lot of stretch. You saw a lot of zone. The difference that you see this year is a lot of people don't know this. Ohio State offensive line didn't use a sled previously under under stud. I heard he that. I, yeah, I was alarming he, when I heard that. Yeah, and he and I've always grown up and I'm growing up in Southern Ohio and using the sled for the offensive line, that was day in and day out. And that was something that Justin Fry came in and implemented right away is, hey, pads on, chin strap buckled up. We're going to hit the sled. We're going to get tougher in the trenches. And you're starting to see it pay off. And I think Mayan Williams, is he brings an element of toughness to the run game that you didn't necessarily see. So I think him and Trevion Henderson, when healthy, are one of the premier one-two punches in all of college football. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead, Clark. Okay, you know, I'll let Coach, I'll let coach kind of deal with the Ohio State questions. I want to look bigger picture, Big Ten, 
you know, what what have you what are your thoughts on Michigan, Penn State? Those look to be probably the second, third best teams in the Big Ten. You know, what what do you think about them so far early in the season? I think we're getting what we expected out of Michigan, which is a disciplined team. They're going to be buttoned up, solid run game. Uh, I think Michigan, you can make an argument that probably has the best offensive line in college football. Uh, Big Ten, I think Ohio State, Michigan is right up there. One, two punch, you know, pick your poison. But you really have to like what you're what you're seeing out of the Michigan run game. But that's a that's a Jim Harbaugh staple. He's going to rely on the run game. I think JJ McCarty brings a, a element to the table that uh, athleticism that you definitely don't see out of uh, the the previous quarterback there. But the thing with JJ is he has to be able to get through his reach. You can see the youth when he's out there. You can see those flashes, but you can also see a kid that doesn't necessarily go through all his progressions. But the way Michigan's schedule was set up before the season start, I had Michigan going 11 and 0 headed into Columbus, and you're wow. going to have a a, a typical uh, you know bow type Woody type of game that's going to probably win the Big Ten East and get over to Indy. Who knows who's going to win the West? I mean, that you had a Nebraska team who fired a coach that are currently right now in first place in the Big Ten <laughs> West after after they won that last game. So. Who knows who's going to win the West? But Penn State, I mean, they're nothing to mess around with. I think that Penn State-Michigan game coming up here soon is going to loom big. I think that's going to be a pivotal um, game for the Big Ten East. And you really have to like what you're seeing from Penn State. They have a three-headed monster at the running back position. Um, I really like Penn State defense. That front seven is nasty. And I think their cornerback, uh, Porter, is probably a first-round pick. Uh, but Penn State, they have all the makings to be uh, a playoff caliber team. I know a lot of people in the SEC want to poo-poo that butt whooping that they put on Auburn down there and <laughs> try to say that, you know, Auburn's one of the lower tier teams. But to me, I think it, it really speaks volumes about how they're going to how they went about their business, how they were able to dominate Auburn in the trenches. The one thing that you're going to get from an SEC type of team, they may not be as good as you would typically see, but they typically have some dudes up front. And Auburn has a couple of dudes in the front seven there, and Penn State was absolutely dominating them. So I, I do think Penn State is for real. Uh, Sean Clifford is a senior veteran, six-year guy. He knows how to command the offense. So James Franklin, I think the question comes down is, how much would James Franklin screw up the in-game play calling once the game gets tight? Because James, James is known from for fumbling the ball every once in a while when it comes to his coaching, uh, you know, play calling and, and situational awareness when the game is tight. But right now you you have to look at Penn State, Michigan, and, and Ohio State as easily three of the top 10 teams in college football. That's That, that was where my thoughts exactly. I think Penn State may, might be a little too young this year. You know, yeah. we'll see when they get – but, you know, they're set up for the next couple of years. And yeah. – uh, you know, they got the they got the Ohio kid, you know, there at the backup quarterback position. He'll be ready to step in after, you know, Van, Van Wilder gets finished with uh, <laughs> six years. Forever. His, yeah, his, Drew, uh, Drew Aller. He's a, a, and I'll tell you a funny story about that. He's an Ohio kid. And at the time, Ohio State, a lot of people are asking why Ohio State didn't make a play for him. Well, the reason why at the time is because. They had the they had the kid that transferred to Texas with the mullet, and he was the number one kid. <laughs> he was the number one kid in the country at the quarterback position. So they thought they had the position locked up, 
and then he ended up transferring to Texas, and boom, you let a, a five-star, six-six type of quarterback, two forty-five that has a cannon of an arm, sneak over to Penn State right out your backyard. Well, but, I, well, another thing, Jonah, is like that was a late recruitment because remember, he, he, COVID cut that his year short. Yeah, he didn't really have a full. I think it was junior year, right? Junior year, yeah. junior year, and then he he blew up in the Elite Eleven, and, yeah. and like that's when he really. It came on the scene, but but I mean, you're right. I mean, I think normally Ohio State would have been on a kid like that, but I just think it was just the timing and COVID year and everything. But you know, Ohio State quarterback position is in great shape. Kyle McCord yeah. the next in line, and the Devin Brown, and the, you know they got the, the Rayola kid in 24, so they're rolling right along. So yeah, I, I actually went to go watch Dylan Rayola last week because um, oh, I'm out here in Arizona, and he's yeah. over at Chandler. Um, and it was a bit, it was some big boy football there because you had number one team in the state Chandler versus Saguaro high school, which is like the number four team powerhouse between the two teams. You had anywhere between 20 to 25 D one offered kids. Wow. out there. So, so it was some big boy high school football. I mean, it was absolutely packed. I mean, you even had a couple of Arizona Cardinals there. Uh, Kyler Murray was on the sidelines, checking it out. Um, Corey Dennis, Ohio State quarterback coach, he was there on the sidelines. But he, uh, Dylan Rayola, I mean, absolutely cannon. The ball jumps out of his hand. You can see why he's considered one of the top quarterbacks. He's so a big dude too, right? He's, he's a really big dude. I mean, he's probably about 6'3", 6'4", 230 right now, 225. So he's he's a big kid right now. Once he get into the strength and conditioning program, he's going to be a, a plan about 240, 245. Wow. All right, Jordan, I got I got one more question for you. So so Ryan Day, he's kind of that quarterback whisperer. Whoever he throws back there, you know, he kind of turns their arm in the gold. Um, I guess I guess two questions. One, do you think he has any lightning to the to the fact that he might go to the NFL? And if so, is there anybody on staff kind of like how he was that would that would take over for him? That's a tough question. <laughs> that that is a tough question. I, I, mean, I think it's a fair. I think it's a fair it's, question. I, I do think yeah. he's gonna. There's he's gonna start getting NFL looks just the way. Listen, the NFL system and in, in the college football system, I think are have been they're as similar as they, they ever have been. You know, with kind of the right. spread concepts, and and I I mean he's gonna start getting looks. Yep. Now I, mean, I'll, I will say this because I have to break it down into two parts for you. Now, are we? You can talk about Ryan Day having the ultimate success to where the NFL comes knocking, or you can have a situation where Ryan Day fails to beat Michigan and his seat starts to get hot. So that's that's two that's two different scenarios that you have to take into consideration that can play in it because Ohio State fans will not tolerate consecutive losses to Michigan. Not saying that. He's going to get fired or anything like that. But if it turns into a situation where it's, it's John Cooper-esque to where he's not beating Michigan and the tables turn to where Jim is starting to flip the table in that rivalry, then you can start to see a situation to where maybe the NFL doesn't sound too bad. Um, but personally, I think he's going to be here for the long bean. I think uh, I think he will win. I think I do think he will uh, beat Michigan. He's already proven that he can beat Michigan uh, when he put up 60 some points with Dwayne Haskins. But as far as if hypothetically he did go to the NFL, is there anyone else on the on the quarterbacks or on the staff that will be able to replicate what he can do? The answer is no. 
The answer is no, because he he's your alpha dog that's going to lead the quarterbacks. Essentially, he's handed over the defense to Jim Knowles and say, you're basically the coach of the defense. Handle that while I uh, maintain the offense. I'm in the offensive meetings. Now, Kevin Wilson has a considerable amount of power when it comes to how the offense is ran, the play calling, the game day structure. So he's very involved in that. But there's nobody on the staff that can replicate what Ryan Day does. When Ryan Day is in his zone as a play caller, he is probably one of the best play callers in college football because he's setting you up for the next play two two plays down the road. There's times where he'll Agreed. get in a funk and you'll, you'll scratch your head and say, what is he doing? But the days that he's in his zone, and we saw it against Wisconsin where he basically had uh, Jim Leonard in the blender because anything that Wisconsin threw at him, he always was two steps ahead. Uh, but that, that this is a premier job. I know a lot of Ohio State fans says maybe Brian Hartline will be the next in line. Oh. Um, and because he's such a, you know, he's a hometown hero. He's a guy that recruits at an unbelievable level. But I, I think that Gene Smith will have to look outside to see someone who's who has a, a prior resume. Luke Fickle. Will Luke Fickle. Want he would be job? my first phone call. I would call yeah. Luke Fickle and say, yeah, and he'd walk to Columbus for the job. He I, I, and he would be a perfect fit. Yeah, I know not a play so, caller, but you know <laughs> he would get he would maximize that roster, and he'd get a good play caller, and they'd yeah. be fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think this is the the reason I'm asking these questions about Ryan Day and coaches. I mean, listen, the coaching carousel of college football is real, and I don't think it's you know I don't think it's gonna it's not going away anytime soon, and yeah. and I don't I think the the days are gone of of coaches staying 20 to 25 years or even 10 to 15, probably. Um, you know, I do think there's going to be more turnover with, with guys leaving and trying different opportunities, but no, I think you, you broke it down. I mean, I kind of see it that way too. I mean, if Ryan Day doesn't win a national championship in the next couple of years with his talent, that yeah. seat probably gets a little hot too. It gets, it gets a little warm. I mean, I, I just, this off season was probably one of the longest off seasons that I can remember losing to Michigan, and not only just losing to Michigan, the way that they lost to Michigan, getting absolutely bullied to where Michigan probably only threw three to yes. four passes in the second half of that game. They absolutely ran it down your throat. It was bully ball. It was bully ball, and the program and the fans had to, in, had to you know, take it and eat it all offseason. People were saying the program was soft. People were calling Ryan Day a finesse coach, believing that the program was Big 12S uh, because he was more worried about a pass-happy offense as opposed to having a complete rounded team. So there were a lot of questions heading into this season, and you have to give him credit. He made the, he made the tough call, um, you know, pulling the plug on some of those guys. And it's not easy firing people. You know, you get close to their families. You understand who they are. Kerry Combs is a heck of a coach. He was just in over his head on the defense. But, right. but the thing that uh, you have to like about Ohio State, Gene Smith said, by any means necessary, the athletic director. So he basically gave Ryan a blank check. When your athletic director and your boss says you have a blank check to go fix your problem, you know, that's great in one sense. But also you have to realize that you need to be able to perform if your boss is willing to give you every resource possible out there 
to compete and win for a national championship, those are the expectations. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, let's spin it forward to now. Um, do you think uh, if, if, I'm putting you on the spot here? If you had to pick right now, who are the four teams to make the playoffs? It's tough. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm going and. A lot of people may say I'm crazy, but I think both Michigan and Ohio State get into the playoffs. Wow. wow. So I think I think you're going to see the first time in college football history, you're going to get two Big Ten teams in there because if I'm sticking to what I said at the beginning of the season, you're going to have 11-0 Michigan, 11-0 Ohio State with that big showdown in Columbus, and I think it's going to be a heck of a game. And we've seen it. The SEC teams have done it. The SEC teams have both been able to get two teams in there. I just think Alabama and Georgia, there are a lot of question marks right now. So if I had to pick, I'm going to go Ohio State, Michigan, the winner of the SEC championship, and Clemson. I think Clemson is starting to play some of their best football there. I think DJ, uh, the quarterback down there, is starting to turn it around. You're starting to see him play at a high level. The ACC is not as tough. They pretty much have locked up the ACC championship game in their division. As long as they win that game, Clemson should be in the playoffs. So that's that's my pick. I think for the first time in college football history, you're going to get both teams in the playoff. And how how cool would it be if you see a Michigan versus Ohio State rematch in the national championship game? <laughs> It would not be cool. I would be, I would be literally crapping my pants watching that game. But, <laughs> hey, but, I, I would tell you, I give butterflies every game for the Michigan Ohio State game, no matter how good Ohio State I, I, is. I always Michigan is. like, like people, like, so I live in Pennsylvania and, and I'm, you know, like two hours from State College. And everybody, when I moved here, Penn State fans are like, you're our rival. I'm like, no, no. You don't understand. When I, I grew up in Northern Ohio, close to Toledo, in Fremont, Ohio, where Charles Woodson, we're both from Fremont, Ohio. Charles Woodens deserted us and went to Michigan anyways. <laughs> and I remember as a kid, remember, I don't know if you remember, they had Woody and Bo stores, right? Yeah. Half was, and when I was a kid, I was such a fanatical person. I wouldn't go on the Bo side. I mean, I can't go on the blue side. That's, it, it might, my, I remember one time I had to go to the bathroom. It's on the, I'm like, I'm not going. And it's like, that's just how I was ingrained in me, yeah. the hatred of just, and then how many times as kids we lost to those guys. And, it, and then like the rivalries turned. You know, so yeah, you it, it. Michigan looks good. I mean, they really do. Beating Iowa, I know Iowa's not great, but beating them on the road was a nice win by them. So it, it does scare me. Um, but you know, I, I feel like the Buckeyes will have a good chance to win this year. But I mean, I agree. Michigan looks really good. If they get past Penn State, there's a very good chance they're eleven zero going to that game. Yeah, I mean, you look you look at that you look at that Penn State game. I think that's going to be pivotal for both programs because. Yes. You know, whoever, whoever beats Penn State, I mean, if Michigan beats Penn State and Penn State continues on forward and they're a 10-2 and two team, that's only going to strengthen the resume for both Ohio State and uh, Michigan. And I will say this, though, if I'm a Michigan fan, I will be extremely paranoid about my strength of schedule because their non-conference schedule was yes. really soft. It's trash. And horrible. It was the last. It was They were dead last. It's horrible. It was the last. It was a so joke. We, if we get down to, you know, selection day and it's between Michigan or Georgia or Michigan or Alabama, it's going to it's going to be tough. But, you know, I, I just think that Alabama, if if they lose one more regular season game and then they're going to have to pretty much run the table over and beat Georgia in the SEC championship. And I think there's a lot of question marks out there 
we don't know how good Georgia is. My, I'm asking myself, did Georgia peak week one? We saw them against Oregon and just absolutely dominate Oregon. But the last several weeks, Georgia has not looked like a championship team. I mean, it's a 10-point game against Kent State in the fourth quarter. You look at you look at Missouri, you know, they were they were holding on by a by a thread there. Missouri was. I knew Georgia was probably going to come back and win, but there's no way that Georgia should be in a dogfight with Missouri going in going into two minutes left in that ball game. Tennessee is a sleeper. I mean, I think Tennessee probably controls their destiny. I think uh, Hypo is doing a heck of a job there. Hendon Hooker is a is a ridiculous quarterback. They have everything in front of them because they have both Georgia and Alabama on their schedule coming up. If they're able to run the table, Tennessee is for sure in. Or if they're eleven and one Tennessee team, now you start to get a, it starts to get a little fishy there because you're you're essentially looking at. Do we take a Tennessee team who had Alabama and Georgia on their schedule or a Michigan 11 and one team? Good so, point. so there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of football left to be played, but just for, you know, October 3rd, say for the point of conversation, I'm just going to throw it out there. Michigan, Ohio state in the playoff with Clemson and the winner of the sec championship. Wow. All right. All right with the, this was a pleasure. Jonah, you are awesome. Awesome. It, it, we got to have you back on. Okay. All right, let me know. Hey, Thanks, thank you Jonah. so much, Jonah. Hey. Hey, keep up the good work. I, I I love following you. You do a great job. There can't be too many more more guys out there that are more knowledgeable about college football than you. So we really appreciate. Yeah, yeah, you. you brought some great knowledge. Yep. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Thanks, uh-huh. oh, that was great, man. He did a nice job. Um, awesome. He was yep. good, good national. You know, let's go back to your question. I just want to say this real quick. Um, I think you're right. I think Ryan Day will probably go to the NFL eventually. I, I think, you know, I don't think – I think Ohio State – Urban said this when he left. He said Ohio State's a meat grinder job. And he just said, like, it, it's an SEC job in, in, in Columbus. And it's like he's been there for – this is his fourth year. So, so you think, like, you know, I think he'll be there, like, another five to six years. Like, I don't I, – after you get past ten years, he probably won't. I think he'll definitely go to the NFL. I, I do think – and I know nobody cares about this, and maybe I'm mistaken this, but whatever I've seen, his family means a lot to him, and they've moved around a lot, and they feel good that they have footprints to help their kids get them through school. But I do think he'll he'll end up back in the NFL probably in like like five years. Is he in Ohio State in five years? Yes or no? What do you think? No, I don't think he is. I would probably say no, and, and I think that they'll have two good candidates. I think probably 